I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. I'm very excited about this conversation. Are you really? I am. Should we just like jump right into it? Well, what have we been up to? I mean, I don't Hello, even... hello, listener. I don't... <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excited about what we're about to talk about. Well, because the thing is, like, in preparing for this and the what have we been up to section, which is whatever, this week anyway, um, I don't know. Whatever I've been up to just kind of pales in comparison. It's true. To what happened two days ago saturday saturday has it been that long so it'll have been oh, by the time this episode comes out it'll be uh, it will have almost been a week almost a week almost a week a week um uh, i've been reading lots of books yeah so um, oh, you have been doing things i finished so i talked I, I briefly talked about finishing uh francesca ramsey's book well that escalated quickly on the last episode um and since then i finished the adventure the misadventures of awkward black girl by Issa ray um which is a book that i had on my phone that i've been like i don't know why i just like stopped reading i was reading like crazy like a year and a half ago and then i stopped um so i finished that book um and uh i'm currently listening to the audiobook of why not me by mindy kaling so again these are all books that i've been meaning to read and i just haven't done it and i'm happy that i'm doing it um but uh yeah that's what i've been up to and i recommend both books like both books are great um i'm i'm really i really enjoyed i i sort of wish that i had listened to the audiobook of Issa Rae's book because i feel like i would have uh really enjoyed he- listening to her voice um same goes for francesca ramsey's book i'm actually not sure I'm, i assume there's an audiobook but um uh listening to mindy kaling read her book to you is very exciting it's very interesting it's sort of like when I um, I listened to the audiobook of Leah Remini's book. Um, that was very interesting because Leah Remini has a very charming accent. She does. I love her accent. 
Now that we've gotten that out of the way, do you want to talk about Beyonce? Yes. I'm sorry. Beyonce, I'm sorry. Beyonce and Jay-Z. Well, we could just call me. them the Carters. We could just call them the Carters. Could you imagine if this like gives way to a whole era where we have like, you know, they, they're like the Ashford and Simpson. No. This is like an Ashford and Simpson era or... Um, Donnie I mean, Marie. I don't want to make any other comparisons because no. I feel like they're not going to work out. Beyonce um, and Jay-Z. Donnie and Marie. Um, oh, yeah. Donnie and Marie. Uh, my mind went to um, uh, Tina Turner and her oh. famous um, ex-husband. Um, her- there you go. <laughs> I mean, I... Um, yeah. What if, but what if that's what happens? I mean, I wasn't mad at this. I wasn't mad at this. I will say I was slightly hesitant because of Jay-Z's involvement. But because not... of the affair or talent? No. I had uh I was hesitant because I'm not as big of a Jay-Z. Mm. I am a Jay-Z fan. Mm-hmm. I would not go to see him live. Um, so you would be buying tickets to this tour as a Beyonce fan. Right. Okay. Right. Um if I were buying tickets if you were to buying this tickets. tour. And I guess if I were in a higher tax bracket, I would be buying tickets to this tour. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest. I mean, if you were it's going to be a great show, bracket, you could rent out the Louvre, too. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, um, but uh, yeah, I was slightly hesitant because I was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm just like, oh, I love Beyonce. But like, we have to get Jay-Z mm-hmm. with it, too. And I'm sort of eating my words after having listened to the album a couple of times. Me, too, because I almost didn't listen to it. Mm. Because, well, OK, so Beyonce and Jay-Z released their first, like, joint album. Yes. Entitled Everything is Love. Um, I think it's what, it's nine tracks. Yep. And a bonus. And one bonus. And one bonus which track. I still haven't heard. Because um, I think you have to have... <laughs> title yeah. to listen to it um which was it's it's a nice compact di- like i don't like to use the word digestible but it's like it's a good length like it's it's a it's a good um like solid length of time i think for for an album and i think also like introducing us to them working together like this i think that was very smart yeah but beyond that the first time i saw the cover art and i was like oh the carters and i was like <sighs> I was like, great. So this is, you know, them trying to prove to everybody that everything's okay. Wait, that was I, like the. F- I want to. I want to break that down a little yeah. bit. So you had a problem with the cover art or the fact that? Oh no, no. I just saw the cover art oh, okay. and it said the Carters. I'm not. Oh, okay. No, I like the cover. I'm just saying. I, you know, the first thing I noticed was the the joint thing. Right. And I was like, oh, and then the title as well. So yeah. I was like, really? Like, well, are we? You know. But then listening to it yeah. was a completely different experience. Well, I feel like, and we're going to get into more detail about yes. the apeshit music video, but I think what I took away from our most recent viewing of it is that um, these this couple is now a, a, a not a, um, what was I, I don't even know what I was about to say. This couple is now a business venture. Mm-hmm. They're no longer just a relationship. Mm-hmm. They are a business venture. And it's clear from the body language and... Um, and all of the facial expressions that Beyonce makes in the apeshit music video that she basically owns Jay-Z. I'm, and I, I love mean, it. It is, it, it's, um, it's, I'm not going to say it's, it's to the point where it's uncomfortable uh-huh. or some people would like to say uncomfortable. Um, but I like any, I'm like, Oh, Beyonce did this. Oh, Beyonce rented out the Louvre. Oh my God. Look at Beyonce. Like it is, I mean, I, I, 
I've said on more than one occasion, I'm not a Beyonce stan. I like her. I think she's great. Her music's wonderful. She's a hard worker. Uh-huh. I know more about her and am more interested in her than I am in Jay-Z, even though I know a lot about him. Well, let's briefly unpack that for a second, yeah. because this is the, the people are referring to this album as the third, the, the, like the closing chapter of, of, of a, a trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so when 444 came out, mm-hmm. I was excited to listen to it because I had heard other people's reactions to it. And the fact that Jay-Z was acknowledging the work he had to do to save his marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, this is great. And listening to the album, you are listening to um, sort of like the the um, the rapper who came to prominence in the 90s and was, um, you know, was was talking about what everyone else was talking about. It was drugs and sex and mm-hmm. um, and expensive clothing and um, and expensive cars. Mm-hmm. That was rap in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing this person evolve mm-hmm. into, you know, a, a person who has to acknowledge their feelings and acknowledge that they are, were in love with someone and then they fucked with their feelings mm-hmm. and had to fix that. Yeah. And it's something it's, 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 he broke new ground by yeah. acknowledging his feelings, not to not to make Jay-Z out to be a martyr, because I don't really feel like he is or yeah. not a martyr, but like to make him seem like a hero. Yeah, but he took responsibility. Right. And he made himself vulnerable. Right. Um, and I think she was actually quite vulnerable on on Lemonade in in many ways. Absolutely. Because it was talking about something or, you know, um, insinuating something as, you know, quote unquote, shameful as an affair. Because I feel like, you know, at, especially in like um, communities of color. Yes. Is that like, oh, why weren't you? You know, like, what did you do that your man strayed? I've, I've heard it right. like, like a lot in, in the Hispanic community, which is what I'm familiar with. You know, it's often like if, 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 if a husband strays, it's often seen as, um, like, uh, negligence on the woman's part. Right. You know, like, right. oh, you're being emotionally unavailable or more importantly, physically unavailable. You right. know, it's right. never that maybe the guy's just rotten. Right. Or maybe he just wanted something else, you know, right. and, and, and like, it always has to be the woman's fault. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, that's the, that's the moral of the story that comes from, you know, when like the, these, these mm-hmm. scenarios in, in a, like, you know, in a minority mm-hmm. situation is that it was the woman's fault. Yeah. And, and in Lemonade, she was not, <laughs> she was like, I'm pissed. Well, right. And so my point with that is like, while Lemonade was, uh, was an amazing album and it definitely it signified a turn or not a turn but an ev- evolution in Beyonce's mm-hmm. uh in Beyonce's musical career mm-hmm. um it's not out of the ordinary to hear a woman or or t- t- for us to have a woman create an entire album about her husband cheating on her and the feelings it brings up and all this stuff i mean it, the masterfully done the and way carrying Beyonce a bat it. to beat his ass with it yes you know like and her still referencing that bat on this album uh-huh. on the on the um yeah. on this the carter's album um but my whole i guess my whole point is um it was interesting to see someone like Jay-Z um, acknowledge all of this stuff. And then also, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much of the fact that they did this album as the Carters is a sign to the fans that like they're fine 
or that everything's going to be okay or that their you know that their marriage is on the mend i don't know how much of that like what i don't know how much of that they were thinking about when they were creating this album mm-hmm. um but um well, okay. First of all, let me be petty for 30 seconds. So two other big mu- big musicians released music on Friday. So the Carter's album came out on Saturday. And Nas, who very famously had a feud with Jay-Z um, back in the early 2000s, I think it was, um, released his first album in six years. And then we have Christina Aguilera releasing her album in however many years. So um, I didn't even know. Yeah. So you have these two you have these two sort of direct relationship type of people mm-hmm. whereas Nas is a rapper I mean the the fact that they had a feud is it's it's to me it's like a little petty mm-hmm. you know a little petty moment petty petty princess because I enjoy I mean a, especially after learning from the interview that Khalees gave I don't know how long ago um that he was um, you know he was uh physically abusive toward her um i enjoy the fact that uh jay-z and beyonce sort of stole Mm -hmm. his spotlight um i i find it a little bit sad for christina that they stole the spotlight from her but again a direct correlation because of beyonce sort of coming into prominence Mm -hmm. as a pop star and them sort of almost being in direct competition, even though that's not really true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no, if we're comparing Beyonce to Christina Aguilera, there's something wrong. It's, it's also um, different. It's apples to oranges. Exactly. Again. It's two divergent things. You know, I don't know what's sadder is Beyonce and Jay-Z kind of overshadowing Christina Aguilera's album or the fact that Christina Aguilera was a cameo in Life of the Party. But oh. that's just an oh, aside. Go yeah. watch it. Um, but I just I really enjoyed the pettiness of uh, the fact that Beyonce and Jay-Z knew this was going to happen and said to I mean, in a way, said to Nas and Christina Aguilera, you have a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. Like impress us. Do it. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is that kind of piggybacking on what you said about, uh, you know, like what we we're talking about, rather about Lemonade and, and 444 is that. Um, everything is love. There has no inkling of, of vulnerability of like introspection into the relationship. It is, this is a united front and there is a barrier into their world in this, in, in these songs. It is flaunting their wealth and power and the work that they've done. And often I'm not on board for stuff like that because it's, it's one of the things about, uh, particularly rap and also like you know pop music where they do that type of thing mm-hmm. where i'm like okay 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 fine. like you know you're you're like dropping uh, like you love crystal and you wear gucci and you have a rolls royce and all of that but like okay what else right you know like where is the 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 music yeah. in this and i love this from beginning to end because it's so it's so well done it's not just dropping a name it's not just dropping a brand it is it is more a declaration of how far they both come individually, but more importantly, how stronger, how much stronger they are together, mm. whether they're producing music separately or in this case together. I think that, like you said earlier, you know, the the Carters are a business venture at this point. Yeah, because this is not it's not really talking about their relationship other, you know, like other than when Beyonce's like, you know, I can't believe we made it. You know, in Ape Shit, when she talks about that, and that's kind of referenced a little bit in some of the other songs. But this is more, I think, about celebrating 
their success, their influence, their blackness, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is the most powerful thing about this is this united front mm-hmm. that they're presenting us with. Yeah. You know, I think that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I had, I had some time to sir and ruminate on the album. <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> wow. uh, so at first listen, I didn't love it. I loved mm-hmm. ape shit. And wow. I mean, but that's, that's why they led with it. That's why they led with it. Of course. Um, but I've had some time to listen to it. I've listened to it, I think like three or four times, um, in a row. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a really, I mean, to me, it's a really good album. I think that, um, Jay-Z. So, okay. Originally when I listened to it, I was like, oh, Jay-Z's not really sticking out on this album. And then I listened to, um, why am I blanking on the names of these songs? Um, it's black something. I forget what it is. It's like the second to last song on the album. And it's the one where he talks about, I'm good on black effect, black effect. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Um, black effect to me is the moment where Jay Z shines on this album. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that he, I am glad that he got an opportunity to shine, even though I feel like his career has spanned more years than Beyonce's at this point. Um, but let's be let's be honest. Who are we really here for? I mean, we're here for Beyonce. I mean, and I think, and honestly, this has nothing to do with the affair because I could care less at this point because that's right. that's their business. Right. And actually, that's right. what I like about this is that he talked about it in that interview, talked about it on his album. She referenced it in Lemonade. He has a line on the album somewhere where he said something to the effect of, "In order to get my wife back, I had to sweat her," mm-hmm. which. I'm sure you, I'm understand. I'm I'm sure you I, understand yes, what that I, means. I I I know what that means, Robert. I am I'm cool to that. Or and hearing it, and <laughs> hearing it, hearing him say that line in one of you know in one of his verses in hindsight, or not in hindsight, after having seen, uh, or rather having heard 444 and the fact that he did that interview with mm-hmm. uh, David Letterman, I think. Um, are you not familiar with the David Letterman interview? It was David where he Letterman talked about, who interviewed him? Yeah, for his Netflix show. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that was. David That's where Letterman. he talked about the oh. um, his infidelity. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I only saw his like whatever I saw on YouTube was just Jay Z talking. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I didn't well, know because, who the other person was. I didn't they, see that part when they when they made the clip of it that was like circulated. They had to cut it down to basically the, the just the, the yeah, important exactly, shit yeah. because there's a whole entire episode mm-hmm. of that show that you can watch on Netflix. Hmm. Um. So I think Beyonce was not going to settle for less than him sweating her quite literally and going from place to place, basically being like, hey, I cheated on my wife. Also, here's a photo of her. She's beautiful. Like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like him being like, I really fucked up. Like Mm -hmm. the the um, the definition of accountability, Mm -hmm. I think, is what is what we're seeing here Mm -hmm. now, whether Beyonce's fans are going to forgive him or not is a whole different thing i mean i think it's um it's it's, you know the fandoms are so strange in that respect because it's like beyonce's fans will they forgive him and it's also kind of like there are people who say that they're going to turn their backs to the stage yeah when he's when he's on it yeah on the run to tour fine whatever you want to do if that's what you have to do but like at the end of the day this is their shit to deal with. Like it's their business. And right. I, I, what I was saying is I like that. Yes, there is this stuff out there, but it is, they've handled it in, in, in a way that I think a lot of people don't 
you know, in the, who are in the public eye. Yeah. There was no drama. Yeah. I mean, there was drama because there were albums written about this, obviously. But it is, there's something about it that you have to admire how they are handling the the cracks in their relationship. Right. They're not. They're handling know, it by giving you content, which I think is awesome. They're giving and, you content. And this is good. This this music is really good. Yeah. And not for so. nothing, the best music, the best art comes from pain. Right. Honestly, shit that comes because you're happy is so boring yeah and so like you know it it it, it like we're like you know what is that going to inspire textbook example is alanis morissette oh, she no. was grumpy and angry for the first three albums and then she got married and then what happened i don't know we she, lost her it was awful i mean awful i'm happy that she's happy but i miss jagged little pill alanis mm-hmm. and I you mean, know. it's it's just it, it is very self destructive for a lot of the artists to continue to come from those places. Yeah, but what they make is so good. Yeah, you know, and and it's sad that that's the case. Absolutely. But, but in any way, I think I think that I don't know if this is sadness. I think that this is like they've gone to couples counseling. Mm-hmm. They know what each of them has to do. Right. And they're doing that work, and then they did this. Right. Because I think things are still like being worked out and if you're an angry fan that's going to the on the run to tour my suggestion to you is if you really want to make jay-z pay for his sins i say that whenever he's on stage just scream do big pimpin until he does it that's my favorite Mm jay-z song has always been yeah um but yeah i i don't there's something about this that just really does it for me and it's like the i mean and we only have this one visual so far which is the you know the music video for ape shit but it's i just so it's everything she does is so good so not that you weren't a beyonce fan before this but but i feel like this is your moment to stand for beyonce this okay so this is, I think this is my watershed moment. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's, there are those of you who are going to be listening that are like, really, this is what it took. But the fact that, wait, can I talk about it now? Go okay. ahead. We're so here. this video, if you have not seen it, you're living under a rock. But Also, it's six minutes long. If you haven't long. seen it yet, pause this, go watch the video and come back, please. The, the thing is, we sat there and it started and I was kind of like, oh, okay, fine, this, you know the carters i was the like, usual thing he does to me when i'm like something cool just happened play and he's yeah. like Ugh. i don't okay. and then like on his phone I shopping for sheets or whatever i don't like something being put on as a surprise if i'm not being told hey beyonce did this oh so or, me screaming from the bedroom oh my god beyonce just came out with an album and then walking out here with the music well, video on I my phone. Knew, I knew that they came out with an album from like earlier that day, but I wasn't excited about it. So I didn't tell you. Oh, okay. That's why I was like, yeah, it's not just Beyonce. It's the two of them. And listen, it's nothing to do with the affair. Like I said earlier, I'm just, I'm not like, I'm not coming there for Jay-Z. And okay. so I'm like, really? So half of this is going to be him. Like, that's how I felt about it. Right. And I'm like, I would just like a Beyonce album. I really just like female singers. So there's like, there's that too. Right. But anyway, this video comes on and I'm like, well, they're at the motherfucking Louvre. And like, as, as somebody who has a degree in art history and I've worked in museums my entire life, this was immediately like an art history boner. Cause I was like, all right, let me see what they do with this. Because often, you know, you shoot, they shoot in a, in a, in a, in a space or a venue and, and often museums are just used as like a really pretty background. Mm-hmm. But then you have these moments where, which is what Jay-Z did with, I think it was Magna Carta. 
Oh, was it? I didn't, I didn't mistaken. I didn't see that. But it was um, either Magna Carta or 444. One of those two albums. He um, he had a listening party at uh, the um, the Mo- at MoMA. Oh, but that kind of makes sense. I mean, with, the listening party is different with than the lady who made Lady Gaga hug the giant crystal. What's her name? Oh, Maria Abramovich. Yeah, Marina. Marina. Marina Abramovich. Marina Abramovich. Anyway, um, sorry. Continue. What I loved about this, and just this is, so the Louvre is, it is the biggest museum in the world. It has the largest collection of Western art in the entire world. It's a lot of the biggest in the entire world, like, you know, in terms of space and and scope and all of that. And it is, um, you, I have never felt smaller in my entire life than when I walked up to the Louvre as a college student. It's just, it is... It's mind blowing. Right. And it would take you like two or three years to see everything just like for a minute. Um, But seeing Beyonce and Jay-Z as this united couple with all of these, you know, black dancers and 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 seeing them perform essentially by reinterpreting classic works of, of art that are in the canon of art history was amazing because they also happen to be performing in front of canvases and sculptures and, and, and other works of art that are all filled with white people. Mm. In fact, you cannot walk through any gallery in the Louvre without seeing a whole wall of white faces. And I mean, this is Western art, unfortunately. Up to a certain point, that is, you know, the, the white people created the art, you know? Like, right. they were the ones commissioning it. And so... I don't know if it's a racist thing or not, and I'm not here to talk about that right now, but that is that is what you learned in art history. You see a lot of white faces on canvas. That's just the unfortunately that's the 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 long and the short of it. However, what you don't see is Beyonce standing in front of the coronation of Josephine, um, where um Napoleon is basically crowning his wife and making her the Empress of France, and seeing her with a troop of black dancers pull away all of the focus from this incredibly important and monumental painting in terms of scale pull away all of that focus and you're seeing them as being the the actual royalty they're the new royalty they are the people who are inspiring people and and really um you know changing trends and all of that whereas at that time it was you know basically about the nobility you know and and in a way, you know, when you go to a museum, you're always looking at something. You know, yeah. you're looking at the canvas. So if if I were to be, you know, behind Beyonce, for example, right. I would assume that I would see the back of her head. I wouldn't be looking at her face because she would be looking at something else. But in this video, the art is the background. It's not the focus. And the focus is then put on the people who are in front of these works of art and who are reinterpreting the scenes in these like kind of like tableau vivant type of style. Mm -hmm. It was mind blowing for me. And that's just one painting. I mean, you know, forget about, you know, toward the beginning when Jay-Z and Beyonce are in front of the Mona Lisa and... It, it kind of uh, harkens back to when they took that really famous selfie four years ago in front of the Mona Lisa that people went apeshit over. Right. 
um, the fact that Jay-Z's suit is the same color as the protective barrier around the glass as the Mona Lisa that Beyonce's um, uh, rope belt is is tied over in the same way that the Mona Lisa's hands are placed, that she has this kind of blank look on her face the same way that Mona Lisa does. Or, you know, when she's in front of the Venus de Milo, echoing the 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 same poses and and in a way challenging these concepts of beauty you know and and saying oh well, like you thought the mona lisa was beautiful hold on hold on i'm going to show you something else you know and it's so it's so stylized and beautiful and then of course then you get to the part where she's at the top of the stairs in front of the you know the winged victory of, of samothrace which is this hellenistic sculpture um that's kind of again it's this probably the most incredible sculpture from this period because it shows all of this movement and she's in this beautiful kind of cream and white dress and cape that are echoing the folds and the movement of it and it's just i could go on and on but there (laughs) are um the voice of Alyssa edwards is in my head oh but you really want to fight i mean the thing (laughs) is that this was to me um this was your moment like they turned the louvre from a temple uh, of, of European art and beauty into a temple of black beauty. Yeah. And that, to me, was really striking because it just has not been challenged this way before. I mean, it's been challenged by artists, of course, you know, mm-hmm. like our artists who practice painting and sculpture and, and things like that. But, but their art always gets hung in, like... Museum of African Art or the right. Museum of African American Art or there's you know the arts of Oceania and the Americas and Africa so they all get like lumped together yeah you know like non-western art is not worth anything in 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 in, in terms of art history that's kind of how it's it's often taught you know it's it's um it's it's not um classical enough right. you know but then you have Jay-Z and Beyonce renting out the motherfucking Louvre, mm-hmm. which actually only costs about $17,000 a day, which I was kind of shocked to find out. Um, but still, who just has $17,000 laying around? Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> um, and maybe Jay-Z, if he gets his allowance. Wow. Um, but to me, what was what was the most powerful part was toward the end of the video, you you get the first uninterrupted view of a painting, and it's that of a black woman staring straight at you. And so... In in terms of um, um, like symbolism and paintings, when you have the subject of a of a painting staring directly at you and confronting you, it it increases their importance in terms of the composition. Specifically, when this person is the subject of the painting, right? Um, and so the 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 painting, which is. Um, it's entitled a, a portrait of an egress or portrait of a of a of a black woman um like this uh like subject or or the negress was a very popular subject in in kind of late 19th century french and european art mm-hmm. but it it wasn't always treated this way where you know it's just this person against a like blank background so that she is the focus i mean and it, and it's a beautiful painting because she is confronting you but the 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 artist who painted it who also happened to be a woman who was uh marie benoit is that we don't know if this woman had social standing and we can assume that she didn't because her breast is exposed Hmm. so she was most likely a servant or somebody of the lower classes that this painter wanted to paint and so chose to depict her with her breast exposed and so the artist did have more agency than the sitter however 
it is the only portrait in the Louvre, the only painting in the Louvre where a person of color is the one and only subject and where the subject is actually confronting the viewer, making them important. Mm. Every other painting has a person of color or specifically black people in a position of servitude or enslavement or with their backs to the to the viewer and you don't see their faces, thereby stealing their identity or them having no identity. This woman does have an identity. We don't know what it is. but Because she was, she's looking at you. Because she's looking at you. Yeah. She has an identity in my, and, and, and the fact that it was the only painting that was shown on its own without dancers in front of it was very impactful. Right. I mean, I can't put it into words exactly, mm-hmm. but it's like, this is who we are, right. you know? And yeah. And they did that. They're the new nobility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I went mean, the, on. the video, the video starts with them, you know, doing this tableau vivant, like you mm-hmm. talk, you described, they're standing in front of the Mona Lisa, but they're staring directly at us, the viewers. Mm-hmm. And then my, so my favorite part of the video is at the very end when they turn around and look at the Mona Lisa, because there's this moment where, I mean, obviously it's not like the, the Mona Lisa moved or anything like that, but like there's a moment where you can feel the Mona Lisa looking at them. Mm-hmm. And it's like a knowing, a knowing, um, a knowing look of like we're on the same level mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I just really, I don't know, for some reason, I just really enjoyed that moment mm-hmm. having watched the video yeah. as many times as we have. I just really enjoyed that moment. I also really enjoyed the very end of it when, okay, we've shown you all of this. We've asserted ourselves. We rented the Louvre. We've reenacted all this stuff. We, in- we introduced you to this lone black woman in the Louvre. Mm-hmm. Now we're just going to turn around and keep on with our visit. Right. So it's like, again, and, and again, it's that type of thing where you know that these are people who have power and influence, and so they're turning their backs on you, and so it's 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 a symbolic kind of shutting you out. Yeah. So it's like, all right, you got these two very vulnerable and, um, you know, th- th- these two very vulnerable albums from us. We did that. Now we're back to this. Here's the barrier. Right. And so by doing that, they've essentially put the wall back up again. Mm. They broke it down. They built it up. Mm-hmm. And now they're moving on. Hmm. That's how I saw it. Yeah. But I don't know anything. There's also a moment, um, and I caught it this <laughs> last time that we're that we were watching it. There's a moment where Jay-Z and Beyonce are seated. And they're kind of like, not really cuddling, but they're like sort of like nestled in each other oh, a little bit. Yeah, on the couch. And Jay-Z seems to be like... The the look on his face is one of happiness and hers is one of like this idiot. Like do you know what I mean? It's a very it's a smirk. Yeah, it's a smirk. It's mm-hmm. definitely a and she's smirk like in of like to Versace too, yes. which is it's a it's a smirk, but it's a knowing smirk. It's a smirk of like this this gentleman who is touching me right now is very lucky. Mm-hmm. And he I don't think he understands how lucky he is. Yeah. It's it's I I, I would not besmudge Beyonce's name by saying that she's lording something over him. Yeah. But she's got, she, you know, it, 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 like he stepped out, and I feel like that is, mm, it's a, it's a, it's a biggie, it's a big one. Like you will, you you can forgive maybe, but you will never forget that that happened, and right. you will never forget what it felt like. Well, Jay Z said on this album, there may be a fire, but he's not leaving. Mm-hmm. So, so there you go. We should do this more often. I know. I know there was a listener who said that they wish there was a podcast about, um, I think it was modern art 
like well, the way we do it. But you have Baroque, you have Egyptian, ancient art. We covered a lot of bases. We did. Mm-hmm. We definitely did. I have not thought about art that much in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. We must go to Paris now. Um, sure. <laughs> um, so we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are continuing our Pride series. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. We're back. And um, as you all know, it's June is Pride Month. And we've been doing this series where we exp- we share some of our gay experiences. That sounds worse than it is. <laughs> gay experiences. We, we share some of our first experiences in terms of being being proud to be gay. Is that does that make sense to that? I mean, yeah, I didn't. Th- we should our, probably write a description for. This. I mean, our gay. It, it says right here. Since June is Pride Month, we decided to share some experiences. That's what this, I get for yeah. going for not reading from the teleprompter. Mm. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about the first time we <laughs> celebrated Pride. <laughs> um, and I think we mean specifically like went to a Pride event. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I remember. Um, I don't remember thinking about going to Pride when I came out, but as soon as the opportunity hit for me to go to a Pride event, um, and my first Pride was in uh, the New York City Pride Parade. Mm, the it was actually one. the white one. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, in hindsight, thinking about it, it was very white. I've come to really, very, very to really not... Um, have a very skewed um or not skewed i just don't care for it queen's pride is the pride to go to oh my god it's i'm it, sure it, brooklyn pride is lovely but queen's pride is the pride to fucking be at it's so nice yeah it's like a little village it's literally like you can walk the whole thing in like an hour see all the, the in vendors, an hour maybe less we did it like six times in an hour but okay, but we weren't <laughs> stopping and like, you know, I could have gotten a massage, but the woman who grabbed my arm kind of scared me. So oh, she was very aggressive. Yeah, I didn't realize she was trying to give me a sample. Oh. I just felt like she was pulling at me. Um, sorry. But yeah, my first so I grew up going or not grew up. I was going to a youth uh a youth center for LGBT kids or a youth group for LGBT kids and part mm-hmm. of their like part of them is that they would march in uh new york city pride every year Mm -hmm. and so um the first time that i went to pride was at the new york city pride parade and i remember um my friend bg and i took the path train into the city and didn't understand how the subway system worked so we accidentally took the one train to the bronx instead of to I think it was like 34th Street or 23rd Street where we were meeting up with like we were we were like trying to keep up with where everyone was in terms of the parade route because our friends were already marching like they were already on the parade route. You you must have been on that train for a while because you got Um, on Christopher Street probably. No. Oh, I think we got on 
I think we got on by like Macy's, which is stupid because I mean, we were right still, there. Like we were right fucking there. That's um, a long. Ru- I was at the end of that route, right? Of that train. Oh no, route. you're you're probably right. We probably did get on at Christopher Street. I don't know what happened, but somehow we fucked it up. Somehow we there. just fucked it up. Um, and then we we're like, oh, we're in the Bronx. What the fuck? Or we might have been in Brooklyn. I don't remember. But I mean, it depends which direction you took it. We on. just we took the train in the absolute wrong direction, and then we finally make it to the street that we need to be on. But we're on Eighth Avenue, and we all know the parade goes down Fifth Avenue. Um, so I couldn't walk anymore. I couldn't handle it. We literally took a cab as far up as we could, and got out, and just like. I don't I don't remember if we even talked to the police or anything to be like, hey, we're marching with those people that are over there. But I remember the first thing and this is always what I think of whenever pride rolls around. First thing I saw was a huge float swimming with men in uh, like in like shorts, like not booty shorts, but like smaller than booty shorts. Underwear. It was underwear, but it wasn't quite a thong. But it, I guess it was like a boxer brief. It was a trunk. They were all white men wearing white briefs. And it was the Altoid float. And I remember thinking, they are spicy, aren't they? Because <laughs> it's curiously strong. Curiously strong, exactly. That was their motto. And I was really big into I've Altoids. I've never heard this story before. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I saw was the Altoid float. Altoids had a float. float. Altoids oh, had a, a long time ago. And it looked like, I mean, I, I may be, I, I just may be remembering this wrong, but it looked like, do you remember in Will and Grace when Jack has the dream that he's in a share video? Yes. That's what it looked like. Oh my God, those men. Yep. Did you want to pop one in your mouth? Of course. I was like 15 or 16 years old. What did I know? Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, we found our friends and we, we walked in the pride parade and it was exciting. Mm. Um, I don't remember much else from that first one. There you go. Uh, what about you? So actually the first time I went to a pride parade was with you, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 2011. Yeah. It was, it was the, like the, the, the first year we were together. It was 2012. Because no. it was the year that marriage equality was... No, because by, by Pride of 2012, we were already married. Are you sure? Yes, because uh, oh, you're uh, right. gay marriage passed, or same-sex marriage passed, like the day before Pride in 2011, right. so the 24th or 25th of June. Right. Um, I remember this. This was during season three of RuPaul's Drag Race because Manila Luzon was on one of the floats. And we were very excited. It was after to see season her. three because we went to the finale of season three, right? But it was she was yes. the you know mm-hmm. she was the oh hot my God. And the she hot was gal. Wearing, I have a photo of her, yeah, and she was wearing this like I think red or rainbow tool thing mm-hmm. that was so exciting, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had because I had come out like two years before or something, like you know, and we talked about this. Like, I've been out for a while, but like you know, like. When you tell everybody who matters, basically, you know, uh-huh. like in your life. And my friends had been like, let's go to the Pride Parade. Oh, we're going. We're going to go here. And I was always like, no, I I hate crowds. Absolutely hate them. So, mm-hmm. like, I was avoiding the Pride Parade because to me, it was another opportunity to be squished and pushed and, like, not be able to see what you came to see and be confused. So I was like, no. But you were like, let's go. So I said, fine, let's go. And I really, I did enjoy it. it. It was a lot. It was like in terms of like the pushing and pulling. But it was it was really nice to see all of these people getting together to both you know celebrate, support, march. You know, kind of like whatever role it is that they wanted to play in mm. 
pride, you know, whether they were there, like I said, you know, to be a spectator in a supportive way or not, because there Mm -hmm. were some people, why you go to Gawk if you're not, you know, into gay people or into gay rights and all of that, like, I don't understand, like, if I don't want to support something, then I just won't go. Well, what was interesting about that year is because marriage equality had passed in New York the day before Pride, there were a lot of men dressed as grooms. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and there was one in particular who was in half half groom, oh half bride roller drag on roller that skates. That was amazing. And he was having a moment. There was a, um, there was a Jewish man who was protesting the Pride Parade and also protesting marriage equality. Mm-hmm. Kind of like catty corner from where we were standing. And so so this this man was having a good time, like skating, you know, skating past him and turning around mm-hmm. and coming back and just doing like a whole dance. It was just like every um, every person who was like who noticed this man who was protesting mm-hmm. the parade was having a having their chance at like, you know, killing him with kindness in a way. But like, you know, throwing a barb. Yeah. You know, I love that he stayed in our section for a good hour and a half, even though the parade was like moving the 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 broom guy (laughs) what brooms on wheels yeah Yeah. he was a broom on wheels he was a broom on wheels um yeah i just i really i I don't remember a lot because there was a lot to see but it was also like i don't know if it's because i like came out came out all the way you know in my 20s or whatever that i had already like had a chance to think about all of these things as to like how I was going to be gay or, or, or what gay people are. I, I, because I've heard a lot of stories of people going to pride parades after they come out and they're like, you know, starry eyed and it's like very emotional. And for me, I was, I was more emotional about the crowd, Mm. like, um, of being like trapped in a crowd than like, I, I guess thinking about what revelations this was going to bring about or, or, mm. or, cause I was just happy to be there. I, I'd never been. It was something new, you know? And so I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I liked, you know, walking down the parade route and then eventually going to the, um, like the fair at the end. And I think we saw some of our friends there. Yeah. Um, I, I just remember like just being really hot and very tired. Yeah, at that's... the end, and I feel like a you know the 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 few pride parades we've been to since then, kind of no matter what role we're in, that's how you feel. Yeah. Um, and I just want to come home and eat. I made the mistake one year when I still lived in New Jersey of um of pre gaming before, and so mo- what my friend and I did is we mixed these drinks in water bottles and then took them on the bus with us and drank like chugged them on the way into the city and the literally gave me the worst you were that girl on the bus the worst diarrhea of my life no i did not get drunk i just felt like i was gonna Wait, shit you my did pants not get drunk it just bypassed the whole damn thing yeah wow i think i had just had the lap band at the time um. i'm not sure um and i was a very cheap date when i had just gotten the lap dan- the lap band so um anyway uh yeah i ended up having to leave pride early all of my friends had all of these like whatever. And I was hanging out with a lot of lesbians at the time and they wanted to go to Henrietta's. Um, and I was like, well, I can't go cause they're going to charge me, you know, whatever it costs for Beyonce and Jay-Z to rent the Louvre, um, to get in because they overcharge men to keep mm-hmm. them out, which is like, whatever, do what you got to do. But I'm not 
going to go somewhere where I'm clearly not wanted because mm-hmm. that's just, that doesn't make sense. It's not a space for you. No, it's not a space yeah. for me. That, and that's fine. Um, but I was just like, at the end of the day, I was like, I have to shit really bad. And this Dunkin' Donuts is not cute. And I've never seen more people, more people wearing rainbows and just looking like, not even disheveled, just looking like completely distraught about everything. Like they just, they had, they were done. Everyone in that Dunkin' Donuts was done. I believe it was the Dunkin' Donuts. If I'm, so I think Screaming Mimi's was next door. Oh my God, Screaming Mimi's. So like somewhere near Listen, it's Aster, not cheap, it's affordable. Something like that. Something like that was there. So I just remember looking at it and be like, oh, Screaming Mimi's. Um, so yeah, but um, comparing my first Pride, I'm so happy that I did Pride as a stupid, very energetic teenager um, the first time because comparing that to the last time we did Pride, which we were marching with, um, I forget who, um, and uh, we were tired. I don't want to say who. Um, well, no, but we skipped I'm, the I'm, other time. I'm forgetting on purpose. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm comparing my first time to the most recent. Oh. Um, we were very tired because we were standing around waiting for oh the, the float well, to why, move. Why are you not saying it? I just don't want to talk about it. Um, There's a question about it. Is there a question There's about. There's a question about Drag My City. Really? Yes. Where? Later on. Are we you have a, serious? A listener who's heard about it. Okay. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Wait, let's we'll get to it when we get to it. But yes, we were with Drag My City, whatever. Um and it was just it was miserable because we were standing around waiting. We decided to do these interviews with the the five queens mm-hmm. that were there. Well, we were also one of them being Monet. Exchange. We were marching. We were not only marching with Drag My City. Drag My City had partnered with Miss Hell's Kitchen. Yes. And Monet had won Miss Hell's Kitchen that year. So yes. Monet was on the float. Yes. None of us were. And we were marching with Macy Sumcox, Erica Clash, I think Countess Mascara. See, and this is the part that I didn't want to do. I don't Why? want like I just don't feel like it. Well, whatever. I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> like, they're people that we marched with. But my point is, it's not relevant. It's not relevant oh. to my story. My story is that we <sighs> were tired from standing around waiting to start marching mm-hmm. because it took forever. And it was just like, someone took a photo of us and posted it on Facebook. Oh my God, we look so miserable. And we look so miserable. And I keep thinking, because that's the only memory I have of that pride. Mm-hmm. Well, that and the videos we took. Which is very cute, the video, I yes. have to say. Um, it's on our YouTube channel, Little YouTube. Liberty. GrizzlyKiki.com slash YouTube. Yes, my favorite moment of Monet when she's like, motherfucking Liberty. Um, <laughs> so check that video out. Um, but uh, yeah, we just, in that photo, we looked so miserable. And like, I just remember people commenting and being like, there you are. And I'm like, yeah, there I was. Well, like, because there was some like hold up. Like wishing I was anywhere else. We literally were standing there for four hours, four, four hours yeah. waiting to move. Like, and it wasn't just us. It was because the floats come out like they're all like, um, uh, I don't even know what you call it. They're all like staged in the avenues. Yeah. And so as the, the parade moves by, you're supposed to, you know, like make your way out. Well, and no, we were, we were past where the parade start like where the parade route began mm-hmm. we were we were further up past it we were waiting for them to give us the cue mm-hmm. so that our our street of floats could turn the corner yeah, and we didn't get that for four hours it was awful like it was and because everybody was kind of in the same 
float. Um, <laughs> wow. No. Okay. Never mind. Um, b- because everybody was kind of miserable because you know you're just standing there. Yeah. On in in an avenue like there are no seats. So the, the girls are in heels. The you know like the 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 boys in bikinis are roasting because like nobody's expecting to be standing. Richard JMV. I don't know what kind oh of vitamins God. he takes. Vitamins? But he had a lot of energy the he whole time. He was doing these twirls. The whole and, and he was time. giving you time, shows. Yeah. Um, but that was a f- that, I just, I wanted yeah. it to be fun. I wanted it to be a fun experience. I wanted it to be memorable and all that stuff. But it was just like, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. It was miserable was because miserable. of, yeah. But getting to like Kiki with all these people was like the most fun part. Yeah, that I was think. great. But my point is like, we were not prepared to stand around and no. wait and wait and wait and no. wait and wait. Yeah. We just thought we were going to show up at, you know, we were told to show up at a certain time. I'm pretty sure we showed up late. We showed up 25 minutes late. For some reason, right. I remember we showed up at 1225. Right. And we thought that we were going to be moving within like half an hour mm-hmm. of getting there. And then four hours later. Yeah. And then on top of that, we're in like midtown and we have to walk all the way to the village. Yeah. And it's like, I couldn't think of anything I would rather do less than walk. And I remember just being super dehydrated, mm-hmm. having the worst headache. Like I'm so, like I said, I'm so happy that I experienced pride, my first pride as a teenager, mm-hmm. because it was a really, I remember it being so much fun and looking around and being like, Oh my God, I'm surrounded by my people. Like mm-hmm. these are my fucking people. Yeah. And thinking like, I'm so happy I did this and having no regrets about it at all. Just being so excited to do it. And I think that that's, you know, for, for a first pride, I think that's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. You know, it has to be that memorable, fun, like, yay experience. I mean, for me, that was when we marched in New York pride with the Trevor project. Yeah. Cause that was fun. That was great. That was like all of us in our white and orange shirts. If you haven't heard of the Trevor Project, they um, they specialize in um, suicide prevention services for young people. Yep. Um, and we volunteered with them for a little bit. Um, also tabled at Queen's Pride, which was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, but for New York Pride, we marched. And it was awesome. Um, we were giving away little like church fans and pamphlets. And my favorite part was when this queen appeared out of nowhere, this tall, like literally was like 10 feet tall in these huge platform heels, these skinny like stilettos, right? Just joined us and like just merged. And she walked the whole thing Without a complaint, without a, a like a sour look on her face, she yeah. was interacting with people. It just it felt really good. Yeah, that's that's like what I that was my favorite. I became her hype man as we got closer to um to Christopher Street because mm-hmm. you know how the parade route narrows yeah. when you get closer. I love when it narrows closer to the end. Um, so I was just yelling at all of the people, like all of mm-hmm. the spectators, to clap for her because mm-hmm. I was like, she's been walking in heels all fucking day. You oh my god you don't remember that yes and do yeah. you know what was also quite memorable about that in the middle of that when we were approaching christopher street who is on the sidelines like st- practically standing on a barrier but baby aja in oh purple god. underwear that's right baby aja in purple underwear cowboy boots and purple hair wow you remember everything because the thing was i was like oh my god look this that that queen what's her name aja yeah because this was oh i knew exactly who yeah that. i was like I oh there's Aja. for a minute but i was like oh my god it's aja and well, i'm sure i was like there's the house of injection oh my god 
So what was she Aja Aja Marie Von Teese injection? And then, right? No, and then injection became what replaced Von Teese. Oh, okay. There you go. I I can't keep it all straight. But it I was Aja Marie Von Teese, and then it became Aja Injection. Yes, there you go. And now just Aja. Just Aja. Um, but that that's another thing that like it, it's very vi- it's very vivid, in, yeah. in my mind. Yeah, um, I forgot a, about that. That was a great moment. Aja looking like a little like a like a um, like a young cowgirl. <laughs> just like a young something. cowboy. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I was just like oh my in God. front of Stonewall. I want to uh-huh. say yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was great. I mean, that oh, was memories. That was a great pride. Memories. That was. That was awesome. Did you have any like preconceived notions of pride before you went? No, no. I just honestly, it was just like, oh my God, there's going to be a crowd. Hmm. That literally is, that was my only thought. And I was like, floats, it's going to be pretty. It's going to be fun. And there's going to be music. And, you know, I like, I I knew what like the pride parade was about, obviously. And, and of course I looked to see who would be marching. Cause I was like, Oh, what like organizations are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my God. Seeing the flaggets was amazing. Oh my God. I want to be a flaggot. So I remember this bad. Bob, 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 the drag queen posted something recently about the flaggets or he, Oh, they interviewed him for GQ where they asked him how to prep for pride, like properly. So like uh-huh. you could survive the whole day. Yeah. Um, it's a great article. And he gives you like a whole tip on how to have like a, a pride survival kit, uh-huh. including maps. Um, but Water he, and trail mix. He talks Water about... Water and trail mix. Yes. And, um, and sunscreen. And uh, a portable charger and a pen. Oh, you don't need the rest of that shit. He, he's wise. He knows. Just read the article. But anyway, um, he was talking about the flaggets in this interview. And I remember seeing this like group of men passed by with all these like ribbons and, and it was just, and, and flags as well. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Yeah. You wanted to be a flagget at one time. I should apply to be a flagget. A flaming flagget. Yeah. Um, uh, so I just remembered something and I just want to share it really quick as we close this out. Um, so the year after I went to my first pride, I was like, Oh, I had so much fun last year. We are doing this again. And none of my friends were available to go with me for some reason, or maybe they had already gone into the city. So I was traveling by myself. And at that point, I had already had my driver's license. And I was driving to Jersey City to take the PATH train because I had a friend who lived out there and I was going to park near his apartment. Um, And I got a flat tire on the New Jersey Turnpike. And randomly, my aunt and uncle were driving by when they saw me on the side of the road. And so they pulled over. Now I was not, I wouldn't say I was like decked out in like rainbows and stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't like super, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call that. I wasn't like wearing like all of this, you know, really like obvious pride pride paraphernalia. paraphernalia. Exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. I think I was really obsessed with this baseball tee that I had at the time, it was red and black, and they were very dark colors, so there was nothing like bright or anything about it. But it was my favorite shirt. So I was wearing that, but I remember I had, I think I had rubbed glitter on my arms. It was like very, very subtle, very subtle. Um, and my hair was like all spiked up because, you know, I lived in Jersey at the time. Um, and so I get this flat tire, and I'm just like, fuck, I really wanted to go to Pride, man. Like, this fucking sucks. And so, and I was not out to my aunt and uncle at the time um but um 
So they pulled over and were like, do you need any help? And I was like, no, my parents are on their way. It's fine. And then my parents show up to help me change the tire because I didn't know how to do that yet. And I feel like they knew. They knew where I was going. (laughs) And they were like mad. They were doubly mad because they were like, you you had no business going to Jersey City for whatever reason you were going to Jersey City. And secondly, um, now we have to come and be like triple A. Like your fucking triple A. So I just, I remember like whenever I see someone stranded on the side of the road, I'm like, oh, do you have glitter on your arms too, sir? Like, I just, I think about that because I just, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about anything other than like, get me to the motherfucking parade, you know? So I figured I would share that story with all of you. But the, the, the good thing is uh, yes. that you were very reflective. I was not. It wasn't that. Oh, it wasn't that glittery. I don't know how. I don't know where the glitter came from or why it was on my arms. That, like, but there was just, there was glitter on that, my. Like, glitter. I didn't buy anything. I don't know how the glitter oh. got on my arms. It just it was there. It sprouted. You were that I, gay. I wish I could. I wish I. I wish I journaled so I could remember where I got the glitter from. It was a drive by glittering. Yes, glitter's bad for the environment. It so, is, but it's yeah. also pretty. It is. Um, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, we have a whole mess of listener questions, and I can't wait. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back and it's time to read your listener questions. And don't forget, you can send them to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and we'll read them like we're about to do right now. Exactly. Um, So our first question comes from Nicole. Nicole writes, Hello, Grizzly Kiki. I first want to say how much I love you guys. Your podcast is a delight and something both informative and frothy to keep my calm on the highway. Oh, frothy. Oh, I like that. I just, and I've read this email before, but frothy. Um, (laughs) uh, To keep my calm on the highway. I also appreciate the fact that you overly analyze Drag Race because no one else will. And someone needs to knock the show down a few pegs. Hmm. I'm in need of advice. I'm currently in a position that is travel heavy. Basically, I'm going to be in a new city often. How would you recommend finding the local bars and clubs to go see drag shows? I've been itching to go to more shows ever since I turned 21 and saw my first show, which happened to have Sasha Velour as the headliner. I knew there used to be an app called Drag My City, but I don't know if it, if it has now gone defunct. I've searched on Instagram and Google, but that seems a bit tiresome. Any tips for this New Yorker currently in Baltimore looking for some good drag fun? Love you lots. Nicole. Hmm. Well, yes. Drag My City, which is why I mentioned it earlier, uh-huh. was this a really cool app in concept where like girls could post their schedules. They were even going to add a tipping feature. And it was a great concept. It was a great concept. Um, and the, the, the two guys they created, Alex and Patrick, are awesome. I, I just think, you know, it, 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 it didn't 
gain wings, gain flight, whatever. It, 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 didn't, just, it, it didn't really take off, unfortunately. Well, the app itself wasn't very yeah. user-friendly. Um, a lot of the queens were complaining that they'd go in to put their gigs up and that it just it didn't work. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I so. am assuming that app development is very expensive and time-consuming, <laughs> and it was just the two of them working on it. So, right. unfortunately, that's gone. But... I think my advice is would be to um to search tags on Facebook. Like on Facebook. Yeah, because if you a lot of girls use tags for events on Facebook and so you can like click on the tags and it'll show you posts about like like they'll put, you know, like Baltimore drag, like hashtag Baltimore drag, hashtag mm-hmm. New York City drag. So you can actually type you can actually use the hashtag in the search function on Facebook or the keywords and go under pages people i mean it's it's a little bit of scouring yeah but if you're very specific you can find things yeah um or also go to the instagrams of queens that you like who travel a lot and click on you know whatever city uh specific hashtags um they use and that will like get you there because like Typing in Baltimore drag, mm-hmm. it's not going to get you anything mm. in Google. Because like when I was in Seattle, I literally typed in Seattle drag. And you would think that by now doing what we do, it would be easy for me to find this. It was it was actually quite hard um, mm. to just find it through a Google search. I wonder if, I mean, the first name that comes to mind when I think of Baltimore drag, and I don't even know if this is a Baltimore queen, but it's Annalie Vivactyl, the divine impersonator. Um, I don't know if she's in Baltimore. I think she's in New York, but I'm not sure. Um, But look her up, because if she is in Baltimore, that could be your entryway right there. Um, Our next email comes to us from Sophia, and she says, Hey, gals, I was wondering what you guys think about the whole Eureka is racist drama and the video of her using the N-word from a few years ago that has resurfaced. Personally, as a person of color, I wrote her off after her fight with the Vixen. That being said, I also recognize her talent and how well she did this season, even though it did feel sometimes like the producers were forcing her on us. Anyway, I would love to know what you guys think. I have come to respect your opinions and your podcasts always make me cackle. Oh, thanks, That's Sophia. That's another one I really like. Cackle. Cackle. I would a love a word. frothy cackle. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this. I mean, I don't know. I have a few thoughts. Please. Because I have given this quite a bit of thought, yeah. Sophia. And so I, I did not know about this video actually until this season when it did resurface. Uh-huh. I also did not know that it had surfaced last season and that she made a statement about it and, you know, did... It didn't gain any... Well, there was another... Vi- I think there was another there video. There two, actually. Yeah, I've only it was seen a different one. video. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I don't... And this is, you know, as... Like, I don't... I don't think that you should use words that you don't have access to that's kind of my my whole thought on the matter because like i wouldn't use the n-word it's not it's not my word i personally don't care for the word at all Mm -hmm. um to be used in any form but that's Mm -hmm. not my word so i can't also you know say hey nobody should use it because it's not mine right um i i don't i wouldn't even say i don't think eureka is a racist because i feel like if you've if you've said something that is racist, it's it's still racist in its essence. The thing you've said, right? I don't know if that makes you a racist. Mm. I I don't know. Um, but I would be lying if I said that we are, you know, like every like there are certain people who are free from and n- any type of um 
uh, of having any type of prejudice because we all have it in mm-hmm. one form or the other, yeah. specifically racism. Um, what I would say is that I, having met Eureka, knowing Eureka the, the little bit that we do, she does seem like a very kind person and a caring person and somebody who really does try and, and take care of people. So I think that you have to think of the context in which, at least the video that I saw, in which she was using it in the the friendly way. I, I don't know how else to say it, but in, in a way that you would call somebody the N-word who's very close to you. Right. Am, am I saying that the right way? I have no idea. I think we saw the same video. Yeah. Because the context of mine was also like, hey, friend. Yeah, hey, my, hey, my friend. friend. Yeah. So, and again, there are people who are not, you know, who are not black people who use that word. I mean, I've known many a pale Puerto Rican from Spanish Harlem. That word is like every other word out of their mouths. Or maybe a certain pregnant Dominican woman. Who, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Yes, her too, Miss Cardi B, mm-hmm. who who uses that word. Um, and, and the people around her who are, you know, or, or, or these pale Puerto Ricans um, who are black, don't they don't say anything. Here's what I think. So I don't know. Here's what I think. I think that everyone's experience with the N-word is personal. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal thoughts and feelings are that I do not want to use that word mm-hmm. in any form or fashion. I have repeated it when I've heard it said. And I don't enjoy like I I don't enjoy the feeling that comes from using it in any in any mm-hmm. context. Um so with that in mind, I would say that you shouldn't judge yourself. If you're looking at Eureka and thinking that she's a racist because she has used the N-word, I wouldn't judge yourself for that. Yeah, I think it, that if you think she's mm-hmm. a racist and that's how you feel, then I think you should go with what your feelings are. Mm-hmm. I also totally understand why you wrote her off after the way she treated the vixen. That was completely unnecessary. Yeah, that was a that was a stinky moment. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I I just think that like at the end of the day, Eureka is a grown ass man. He needs to learn that um this is not something he should mm-hmm. be doing. And the best way for him to learn that is to lose fans, unfortunately. And I mean the so, the, the thing is it's um But I'm not saying that everyone should turn their backs on your yes, like no. I'm not saying <laughs> that. I'm saying if you personally feel a certain type of way about this instance with Eureka, then you know mm-hmm. Vote with your dollars. Yeah. I always say that. Vote with your dollars. You have to let them know that what what they're doing is something that you won't stand for. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to respond. And 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 also adding to that, if this is how you feel now and you are you know, you're you're in your feelings because I feel like that word in particular, it it carries a lot of weight. It carries a lot of history and, and negative history specifically. Right. So like obviously the first thing is going to be And we're years away from it being okay for or it being permissible for any person who is not black yeah. to use that word if it ever will be because it, until we can acknowledge that uh that's sl- that this country was built on the backs of slaves mm-hmm. and native american people we we, we we're no we're nowhere near it mm-hmm. we're just nowhere near non-black people using that word exactly we're nowhere near it um but what I was saying, if after you've, you know, like like you said, you 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 um you wrote her off. This offended you. I, I mean, ob- like yes, you know what she did on the show really offended me. And I and I like Eureka, right. but it it offended me quite a bit, and I'm I'm still like angry about it. Yeah. You know. But again, you you are also allowed 
to maybe change your mind later if you choose to. Right. You know, if if you think about this and you know you you forgive, fine too. Because I feel like it it's all it's all very personal. Yeah. You know? I think you should let Eureka change your mind. Yeah. I think you she should let the her actions exactly. Mm-hmm. She's fucked it up at this point, so let her change mm-hmm. your mind. And honestly, it's a video. This is going to come back again. And again and again, like especially when you don't apologize for it. She apologized for it last season, apparently. Or okay. she's gonna have to do it again, right? Like, but I'm saying is you have to keep on. You know, you know what? It's it is one of those things. You say it specifically with this, and you have to apologize for it again and again and again. You know, I see nothing wrong with that. No, I don't either. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. The thing is, these things that you put, like that people put out there now, even if it is something that in the moment to her it was a blip, this word was something that she felt comfortable using with her friends. She felt a certain level of comfort. Fine. But it was recorded. Right. And so... So you explain have to, it to e- me. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. until you feel that um, she has not atoned for it enough or explained it enough to make you change your mind, I think you're perfectly valid. I mean, I, I don't I don't need to be the one to tell you that I mean, you feel perfectly valid. I'm going to make this connection. I think that what she did to the Vixen plus this video surfacing at the time that it did, the the... The two the two things coming together were not a good taste for Mm-mm. lots of people. Mm-mm. And so I understand why a lot of people turn mm-hmm. their backs on her. And I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Um, and she needs to fix that. She mm-hmm. needs to she needs to figure out what it is that took her to where she was when she used that word. And mm-hmm. she needs to explain why she has learned from that experience yeah exactly because to me an apology is only like that's only 10 percent of the work Mm -hmm. the rest of it is showing that you've learned from the mistake that you've made Mm -hmm. and more importantly that you understand it was a mistake and that you want to be a better person yeah that's a lot of the most important part i've seen too many people to even remember their names to be like well but that was then and 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 I, i don't know what eureka said to apologize so this is actually not anything she said i think but but, you know, it's it's kind of it doesn't matter like whether like this that was then, you know, like everybody knows that that is not a that is a bad like it even goes beyond bad. It just should not. It was bad then and it's it bad, was now, bad so. then. It was bad now. It will continue to be bad for the foreseeable future. So like Robert said, it's you need to acknowledge that that was a poor choice from the beginning. Yeah. Whether or not you were part of a community or have members of the community that you were part of that made it that you felt made it permissible for you to use that word doesn't matter today. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But again, let her let her do the work. Mm -hmm. She has to earn your fandom back is that the right word your respect I, I your respect a, yes I, okay from from you know what i hear or what i understand from sophia's emails that you know she lost respect for her yeah i mean i don't know if this is a controversial thing to say but i would say that her using the n-word was not uh, her what she did to the vixen is a bigger deal to me than her using the n-word yes in terms of losing fans mm-hmm. because it just was so annoying and unnecessary yeah well the word baiting it was yeah. it was baiting and I don't yeah but I, I don't but I don't take it lightly that those two 
that that mm-hmm. happened and then this video resurfaced at the same time, I don't take that lightly. I think if you know so. that there are things out there like this, which she does know, mm-hmm. like that these videos are making the rounds and they're going to continue it was coming a live, back. It was a live video that where oh. the version I saw, it was a portion of a live video. Oh, well, there you go. So, but, but you know, again, it, it you have to be extra careful. But what, what I, the reason I bring that up is because she knew that she was being filmed. It's not like mm-hmm. someone was filming her. It's not like mm-hmm. when, um, uh, I'm pretty sure Bob talked about this on his podcast recently about how Sharon Needles would come to New York and mm. they would they would be like, oh, she's coming to the diner. Make sure you have your camera out because you're going to catch her saying the N word. And so it's it was not not that that is excusable because clearly she has a problem. She has a very big problem with that word. Um, so and she should probably unpack that. It's like the more you somehow. tell her, she can't do it. Yeah, and then the whole thing about being post-racial, I don't I don't know where she, I don't I don't know where she's living, but it's she not the post-Rachel same. Post-Rachel Dolezal? No, 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 no. no, no. Um, we are living in a post-Rachel Dolezal world because she's changed her name. Anyway, um Oh my god, you're right. My, my point is um she knew she was being filmed, and so she chose her words mm-hmm. with the idea or not the idea with the concept of I'm being filmed. I'm choosing to be on camera at the moment. Mm-hmm. So well, and I have permission to use like I am allowed to use. This I'm just word. my That's point the... with all of this is she needs to take a good hard look at her actions and she needs to figure out how to move forward and stop brushing because I feel like there's a lot of brush off that's happening with all of these things that she's doing wrong and that needs to stop. So let her win your respect back and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. And thank you for writing in. <laughs> that was heavy but don't don't like whatever robert said earlier what don't like um don't you said don't follow on fan or 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 don't turn your back on yeah her? don't her don't turn your back on her just because of what we're saying right now i think you know that has to be your own um not sophia other people oh i mean do whatever you want it's personal well, yeah. everyone's gonna have that's what i'm saying that's why i started this by saying the n-word is personal to mm-hmm. everyone because everyone has a different relationship to it so I think, like I said, let her, w- if, if you feel a certain way about her using this word and you need her to win your respect back, let her do that. Let her find a way to do that. Yeah. And if she doesn't find a way, then you can make room for other girls. There are, uh, what is it, 125 drag queens that have come out of RuPaul's Drag mm-hmm. Race at this point? And, and even more, you know, local queens. Too. Well, yes. But my point <laughs> is like, if we're talking about the pool of drag race girls, there are so many others mm-hmm. that are vying for your attention. You might as them. well give it to one of the ones that you still have respect for, yeah, you know? Exactly. So do you want to read this next question yes. or do you want me to do it? No, I was just waiting. Oh, okay. So our next question uh, is, well, not, not really a question. It's just an email, really, uh, from Dr. J, who wrote in um, last week. Um, so he writes, uh, Dear Grizzly Kiki, not going to lie, I may have squealed a little bit when you read my letter on your last podcast. I completely agree with the complications you brought up in potentially publishing your works in writing. There are definitely legal and ethical issues to consider in not only gaining permission, but representing an authentic retelling of the stories you may choose to feature. However, you both seem to display the level of self-reflection and critical analysis I try to impart on my students. Also, don't worry about transcribing their grants for that. (laughs) Um, If you decide to move forward and get a publisher, I hope you do some sort of signing or tour so I can get mine autographed. Oh, you will be... You, oh, will you will be receiving. Y- yeah, you will be the. What do they call that? Like when you send out the, 
like the press one. The manuscript. Yes, we will. We will find you the elusive Doctor J. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been thinking a lot about this. It's kind of like stuck in my head now. Mm. Um, and there's a PS as well. Um, to your point about Rue Michelle's interview style, I completely agree. Did you listen to the interview with that poor boy from Thirteen Reasons Why? N- no. No, I I haven't. I can't handle it. I have to be honest. When I saw that he was the guest, I immediately deleted the episode. Mm -hmm. Or no, wait. I think I listened up until the point where he comes into the room and Mm -hmm. does the interview. And then I just skipped. And there was someone else I did that with recently. I don't remember who. Um, Just, you know, like like I said, because I don't care for their interview style. Also... I listened to Miles Heiser on someone else's podcast. And I don't know if this is uh, like, I don't know if it's something about his voice or this is just his general personality, but he always sounds like he would rather be anywhere else. He's so happy to be there. Also, I've never seen a single episode of 13 Reasons Why because I've heard that the show glorifies suicide, which doesn't sound great to me. Um I am nowhere near curious enough to just put on an episode and see what happens. I would rather um, rewatch The Office yeah. again, uh, to be honest. So I've never heard that episode. Well, I mean, apparently, but from what you're describing here, which is that you can literally hear Miles's eyes roll in the back of his head, and then in parentheses it says, "Or maybe that was my own eyes." <laughs> <laughs> as Rue bulldo- bulldozes him with unwanted advice about what kind of act- actor he should be I was cringing in my car listening to it I had many a moment like that so today I listened to the episode with Ashanti and there was a, there was a moment similar to the one you're describing where they talk about um, Ashanti saving her money and I guess she was very conservative with her money when she got her first record deal and all of that stuff and you know other people in the industry were like oh you know I have, I have three houses and you know if you want to go buy a car for yourself go buy a car who cares you know it's like whatever and she didn't listen to anyone and that's why she still has that's why she still has money in the bank and that's why mm-hmm. she still has a career. Yeah. So, um, but it, it just was very clear that RuPaul, it, it almost feels like, it almost feels like RuPaul needs advice and she's trying to like extract secrets from <laughs> the interviewee. It's like, and then there's Michelle who's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, I saw that. Mm, I have those sunglasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything is just, it's like RuPaul is this evil doctor that is trying to extract all of this information from all of these different people from all of these what was it c-list celebrities and um and then create like a super person with all of this information and then there's subaru a subaru um and then there's charles Um, and then there's michelle there to be like "Ah, i swear in at like and this is maybe just me being shady in my subconscious is that I swear Michelle gets further back and smaller every month in the artwork for what's the tea. Yeah. I like, I, I just, she's going to be the period, in the, she's going to be the period in the question mark. Uh, eventually that's how far back it's going to go. Stop. She's going to be the shading inside of the, inside I, of the I really, the I, I don't know if I'm being, if I'm overreacting, but I really am having a hard time listening to that podcast now. And part of what bugs me is the fact that like RuPaul and Michelle have such strong opinions about things that have nothing to do with anything. For example, the fact that um, if you pronounce Toronto, if you pronounce all of the T's in Toronto, it means that you're not from Toronto because true Torontonians pronounce it, uh, wait, they pronounce it 
Trondo or something like that. It's like a soft, like it's almost like like the T's become D's or some shit. I have no idea. But the fact that they went into such detail about that on one of the episodes, I was like, why do we care? Why do we even care about it? It's like New Yorkers who get really butthurt when somebody pronounces it Houston Street instead of Houston, like as opposed to Houston Street. And it's like, well... Is it supposed to be Houston? No, it's Houston. Oh. Oh, they pronounce it Houston it as opposed to Houston Street. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. Like, you know what they're talking about, right? If, if somebody asks you, hey, where's Houston Street? Just tell them where it is. Maybe I'm triggered because I used to work at a telephone. I used to work as a telemarketer. And I once called someone and asked if they still lived in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. I know Wichita. Um... Yeah, <laughs> I totally we totally Georgia. we totally understand your pain, Dr. J. We do. We feel it. Um, it's also like somehow you've liberated us and we now are extending our opinions to what's the tea, which is kind of dangerous, I think. Um, but, you know, we're just sharing. Yes. Um, and so he also says, hope you both have an amazing week. Thanks, Thank you, Dr. Dr. J. J. Oops. Oh, um, Dr. Sismoy. And then finally, um, Anonymous has written in um, and they um, they wanted to let us know that they love our Pride episodes and were suggesting um, a story time for our Friday episodes with themes, which I kind of love. I know. I mean, thank if, you, if, Anonymous. If you want to hear our stories as a drag queen, there's like five of them. Well, so but we could tell <laughs> stories about other things. Yes, we can. I mean, I feel like there's a, there are a lot of experiences that I've had that I will tell on the podcast. And you're like, oh, my God, you've never told me about this before. I could whip out all of my grandmother's stories. Well, that's true. There are a lot of them. But like, you know, let's talk about personal experiences. You know, we're going to think about that. That sounds like fun. We did talk about wanting to do like a story time episode. At some point in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think if we theme it and we have it be like every third week of the month, mm-hmm. that could be, be a thing. It could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are Grizzly Kiki on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow us. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. So until next time, si es polla, tiene que ser bueno.